Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Six years ago, a student at the University of Missouri took his own life. His name was Ryan Candace. He was a St. Louis native, a graduate of DeSmet Jesuit High School, a popular, well-liked guy. And his suicide rocked his friends to their core. He was the second friend in their group to have killed himself by hanging. Inspired by those two lives and the sadness of those two deaths, these friends produced a film about suicide and the stigma around mental health issues. Alex Lindley was a close friend of Ryan Candace. He explains his passion for this issue in the film, which is titled Wake Up, Stories from the Front Lines of Suicide Prevention. Every single emotion you can imagine, you feel that when you lose somebody close to you from suicide. I was devastated. And then come to realize it's, it's not just Ryan. It's 40-something thousand people each year. We've been making this documentary would not only honor Ryan, but I want you guys to join me and do something much bigger than ourselves. The end of Ryan's journey became the beginning of ours. To show that this issue truly touches every single corner of this nation, and to share the stories of the people fighting in the front lines of suicide prevention. And that, again, is from Wake Up, stories from the front lines of suicide prevention. And it took years and a lot of twists and turns, but that film is now finished, and it is being featured in the We Are One, a global film festival. That's a virtual event, and it's now streaming for free on YouTube, where you can watch it. So here to discuss this film's journey is uh, one of its producers, Danny Kurth. Danny, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So you and your friends have been working on this project for a long time. When you first launched this effort to get this film made, did you envision this as a five, six year project? Um, I don't think so. I think that, you know, we were certainly going through a major grieving process at the time and didn't really understand what the timeline would be on something like this. But you know, we we really had to see this through, I think, not only for our own healing, but also to put a public resource out there that um, I think now we've learned has helped people recognize that not only is no one alone in this, but I think it really provided a baseline education to those who aren't suffering to become a little bit more empathetic about what others are going through. Who do you see as the target audience for this film? Is, is this for somebody who may be thinking about suicide or somebody who may have a friend who's thinking about it? Uh, the answer is yes, everyone. Um, I truly think that this is a film that everybody needs to see. And if you look at some of the reviews that we've already gotten from outlets like Variety, they've said that this is essential viewing for the layman. So, you know, I think that there are messages of hope and resiliency that can go to somebody who is currently in a bad spot. But also for those who just don't understand mental illness or want to get more educated, this is also a great primer. Hmm. Now, Marissa Sobelson, she's featured in this film. She's part of Harvard's Injury Control Research Center, and she offered a different way to look at how we can address suicide prevention. Everyone was asking why. Why are the suicide rates so high? Why have we seen this large increase over the past decade. While many of us are used to asking why, one of the key questions in preventing suicide is the question of how. If you think about motor vehicle accidents, one of the greatest public health success stories in our country over the past 100 years, 
It wasn't until people stopped focusing as much on the skills of the individual driver and started focusing on how the cars were constructed, how the roads were built, the real how of motor vehicle accidents, that we achieved dramatic reductions in motor vehicle death. And I think the same model really applies here. And that, again, is Marissa Sobelson of Harvard's Injury Control Research Center, um, and that's a, a, a selection there from the film. Now, Marissa says the key question is not why the suicide rate is increasing, but how to reduce it. Were you surprised that that ended up being one of the key questions that the film grapples with? Absolutely. I think that, you know, we became really educated over the past few years, and one of the clear indicators of suicide is access. So, you know, one of the big communities that we studied during this film is gun owners. And um, something that happened in Utah that we followed was some common sense gun reform to um, allow people to kind of lock their guns up and provide them to, to family or friends while they're going through something. And that's seen really great results there. And so looking at the means um, has really changed my my methodology on how I view suicide. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned there in our introduction to this segment, um, so much of this stems from your friend Ryan Candace's passing. He was not somebody who used a gun. Um, he hung himself. And that seems like something where you're never going to be able to prevent the means of hanging. I mean, even people in jail cells who are, they take everything away from them. They sometimes can still find a way to hang themselves. So as you look back on, on his death, um, what are some things, if you're looking at the how to prevent this, that in retrospect, you wish somebody had known to do. Ryan didn't want to die. Ryan went to a hospital and told somebody, I want to kill myself. They asked him, do you have a plan? And he said no. And so he didn't meet their level of screening. Mm -hmm. um, to, to me, the problem isn't, you know, the method. To me, it's the fact that Ryan reached out, but he wasn't able to get access. So, you know, expanding access to mental health care across the board is something that we really, really need to look at as a country. Um, you know, it's affecting so many people. And when you factor in things like addiction, um, it's, it's something that can actually solve quite a bit of problems if we can properly provide access. Now, Tim Murphy is a psychiatrist. He's a former congressman representing Pennsylvania. And he talks in your film about how the healthcare system fails to tackle mental health while there's still time to address things. Many times when a person shows up in an emergency room under their own volition, in the area of mental health, they may just be screened by asking a few questions. Have you ever considered suicide? Do you have a plan? Do you think you'd go through with it? And those are important questions to ask, but that's, think about it this way. What do we do with that with someone who has chest pains? Well, so your chest pains, do you feel like you're having a heart attack? Well, I tell you what, why don't you come back when you're unconscious and then we'll treat it. It's an absurd concept, but that's what we do with mental health. We tell someone who's come in and says, I'm really upset, I may kill myself. Well, do you have a plan? Well, not really, but I might do it. Well, call us when it gets worse. Call us when you're bleeding. Call us when you're asphyxiated. It's unconscionable that we act that way, but we do. And sometimes that's because there's no room for them. A hospital may not have a psychiatric bed. They may not have a psychiatrist who has even assessed that person. They're running through a protocol. When you look at the suicide rate in this country continues to climb at 40 plus thousand this year. Why are we still acting as if this is a problem that'll go away if we just ignore it. 
That's Tim Murphy again. He's a psychiatrist. He's a former congressman representing a district in Pennsylvania. And he's featured there in Wake Up, stories from the front lines of suicide prevention. It's just heartbreaking to think about um, these attempts that Ryan made to get help. You know, you you say in the film he tried anti-anxiety medication, and it seems like that kind of let him down as well, that that there were some problems with um, getting off of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not a major expert in terms of, you know, prescription medication or anything like that, but I know that for a lot of people, it's certainly not, you know, formulaic. You have to go and and try and see what works. Um, you know, how it affects your daily mood and you're often, you know, trying multiple prescriptions before you figure out something that is good for your lifestyle. So, I know that part of it is really challenging and so to go back to the mental health access portion of of things, you can couple that with therapy, I think that you're a lot more likely to see positive results than just hoping that one method will work. Hmm. And yet it seems like the healthcare system is sort of stacked towards they just want to sort of give you the prescription, get you out of there. People don't want to pay for therapy that's that's going to go on every week. It just seems like such a bigger investment. How can we as a society change some of the thinking on this? Well, I think that one thing that's really interesting right now is that you're seeing a spike in telehealth care for mental health. Mm. So you have uh, companies like Talkspace that are um, giving access to psychiatrists via text or FaceTime. Um, it's a really new age method that's helping people out. And it's also, you know, you, you said, I don't want to do this every week. Well, if you just feel like you need to talk somebody in the, to, to somebody in the moment, that's something that you can do a lot more easily thanks to technology nowadays. So really looking at the models that provide better access for that, to me, seems to be a little bit more progressive and towards an opportunity to, to make this succeed. So this could be something good that comes out of this pandemic that we're in, that the, the rise of telehealth, you think, could be a, a good solution or get us some of the way there on, on some of these issues. It definitely could. I do just want to make sure that, you know, if we're going to go that way, that we're incentivizing kids in college to take up those professions, because there's definitely a, a, a gap there in terms of you know, access and um, the people who are able to provide treatment. Just not enough providers of it. Exactly. Now, you've been grappling with this subject here for um, six years at this point, and it is such a such a hard subject, and I have to give you guys props for taking this on. Um, what is one thing that gives you just a feeling of optimism as you're dealing with something that's that's just so pessimistic? Do you see any light at the end of this tunnel? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, so I actually lost my dad to suicide when I was nine years old. So I've been dealing with this actually closer to to 17 years. But the way that everything has transitioned in terms of the stigma and the conversation um, since 2014, when we lost Ryan, has has been fantastic. You know, we've we've really seen a change for the better. People are more open. People are not afraid of having these conversations anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that the next thing is making sure that the policymakers and the funders step up to match that energy of conversation to actually provide the access that we need to uh, to get people help so that they're not just talking to their friends who aren't able to you know, provide clinical support. And I know you guys are trying to do that with this film. It's now been picked up for this film festival. This, again, is the We Are One, a global film festival. How big a bump um, has this given to the film so far? It's been really special. Um, like I said earlier, we got reviews from outlets like Variety and IndieWire, which are kind of the industry experts. Um, about 17,000 people have watched the film so far on YouTube. So to me, that's that's really special. 
um, and it shows to the potential impact that we can have. But, you know, it's it's going off of YouTube on Friday. It's back in our license. And our hope is that from here, we can start talking to streaming platforms like Netflix and Amazon and HBO and Hulu to see where the right home for this film is, because I really want it to hit a critical mass. And I think it can do a lot of good um, by hitting a critical mass, especially in a time where you know, mental health tolls are rising based on the civil unrest and the and the global pandemic. You know, nobody can say that they probably couldn't use a mental health check right now. And I think this film provides exactly that. And being in this film festival, will that help open the door at a place like Netflix, get it onto a streaming Ab- service? Yes, definitely. This this festival was created because of COVID. And so it was curi- it was curated by outlets like Tribeca and Cannes and Sundance and Toronto and all of the film festivals that you kind of hear as being Richie and ritzy and prestigious, um, <laughs> they are the ones who who selected us. So um, that's a huge laurel for our film. Um, we've gotten into a, a few other film festivals so far. So that coupled with the reviews is kind of the ammunition that we need to go take this and sell it. Well, that's great. I, I hope you'll be able to do that. And in the meantime, people can watch this through Friday or they have to get there before Friday in order to watch this for free right now. We're still kind of figuring that out. I would say check back Friday if you haven't seen it. But if you want to guarantee that you see it, watch it Thursday night. So it's on YouTube. Uh, it's 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 a channel called We Are One. Um, that's the film festival. And if you just search Wake Up um, on that channel, you'll be able to find our documentary. Okay. And we'll make sure we have those links on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org if people want to be able to go directly to that YouTube page and uh, watch Wake Up Stories from the Front Lines of Suicide Prevention. So Danny Kurth of Project Wake Up, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And we also want to mention that the National Suicide Prevention Hotline offers assistance for people and loved ones in distress. And so um, you might want to reach out if if that's something that could help you right now in your life. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-TALK. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.